He literally was embracing a big Instagram. He was embracing a blue check mark. A blue yes. <laughs> He was he was stroking it. <laughs> Dear Shandy. Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. We are here today to recap episode three of season mm-hmm. 17 of The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. A different tone to this episode. I couldn't find a place to make fun of it. And that <laughs> says something. It does. It does, especially for you, where mm-hmm. you're any nook or cranny that you can find to oh, mock. Yeah. Not, that's not to say there were none. Oh, there were some. There were some, Let's which we will, crazy. of course, cover. But broadly speaking, it was a very unmake funnable episode. Absolutely. I was emotional watching this one. I felt my tears well up twice in this episode. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that. I was too riveted by the episode. Exactly. So shall we begin our Mm -hmm. recap? Let's do it. So episode three kicks off with last week's rose ceremony cocktail party. There are just so many great facial expressions. It's hard to even keep track. I'm going to put up one here where you see Hunter and Justin's facial expressions. And you see a bonus shot of David... Once again, checked out of the building. Dwayne Wade. Love him. He's the best. So the first several minutes of this episode are just the guys shouting at Carl, and it just feels really, honestly, redundant at this Mm -hmm. point. We know that he's either going to be kept because he's dramatic or sent home because he's dramatic. And when Katie arrives to cut that cocktail party short and go straight to the rose ceremony, first of all, the least shocking thing of all time. I know you don't haven't seen this show enough to know, no, but this I've, happens every I've time. I've seen not a lot of this show, but what I have seen <laughs> involves a lot of canceling of cocktail parties. <laughs> it's so true. I'm glad you're saying that because in mm. the old days, that did not happen quite as often. I also, just as an aside, I find it hilarious that there's a cocktail party when literally everyone's drinking constantly, <laughs> like morning through night. Oh, that's true. Actually. It's like, but this is a party. And also party like with... You're the people you're also living with day in and day out. It's really just she's there. It's kind of a misnomer. But for the viewers, I understand why they segmented like that. Yes. Segmenting is always helpful. Mm -hmm. So the second she canceled this, it was abundantly clear that Carl was influenced in some way by production to have spoken to her in the first place about Mm. other guys being there for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. It's just such a formula at this point. It's like, say something to her that upsets her. Cause anger among the men because of course the lead is going to come in storm in and basically tell everyone who's not there for the right reasons to get the fuck out Mm -hmm. verbatim Mm -hmm. always that (laughs) yeah and then she will be upset cancel the rest of the cocktail party and then many guys don't get time and it's just this snowball effect that we've just seen so many times and i'm very over it if Mm. i'm honest yeah I, i barely have seen it and i'm over it Yes. And I and I will ask you this question. Do producers go to Carl, for example, and you know, whoever it is in the past, and say, listen, like you're not gonna win. Like <laughs> you know you're not gonna win. So do you wanna be a villain? Do you want to do something that's gonna stir the pot and make you more noticeable? 
Like, is it an option or do they just say, hey, listen, I think there's this thing you should do. And they totally sabotage him. Boost. They know he's not going places. I do think that there is a sort of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours relationship among some contestants and producers. Mm-hmm. The most famous one, I would say, is probably Michelle Money. Demi is another big one. Corinne Olympios from next season. Mm-hmm. I think oh, there is a sort of quid pro quo relationship. In Carl's case, I think because it's so early, I don't think it even took that. I think that's too direct. Mm. I think it's more likely with Carl that his producer saw that he was sort of flailing and sort of panicked and trying to get her attention. And then it's, it's easy for a producer to prompt him and be like, well, do you think that there are other, are other guys there like Cody who are sketchy and not there for the right reasons or whatever? Mm. And, you know, and sort of nudge him into thinking this is actually a concern. Like, do you, do you think, don't you think Katie should know? Katie asked to know, like, don't you think that you should tell her? Just a little, it's a little more subtle than that, I think. Mm. And that way it also, I bet you, Carl, there was some part of him that thought he was warning Katie mm-hmm. because he was in, he had a lengthy conversation during which he was led to believe that, yeah, maybe she did need to be warned about it. Just based on my experience having been there, and of course I was not a villain, but I know what it feels like to be sort of attempted to be convinced to do something Mm -hmm. that might not be in your character or that you would not have otherwise done. It's a lot more nuanced than that and conversational. That's the big thing. Like you see these snippets of ITMs that are just these little sound bites, but really you can be in an ITM room for over an hour. Like these, this is a conversation you have with your producer. You can see how ideas are formed. Mm. You can start to identify feelings you're having as feelings of love or identify the fact that you're not getting along with all the guys with assuming that they're bad guys who Katie needs to be warned about. Interesting. Yeah. So, so they, they very subtly (laughs) sabotaged him. I would bet a lot of money on that. Okay. Especially based on how that ended up unfolding. Had Katie not canceled the rest of the cocktail party and they hadn't turned it into the same exact formula that they do every single time, then maybe I'd say there's maybe he really was just trying to get in her good graces, which I think he was also doing. I honestly think it's D all of the above. Mm -hmm. And that Carl kind of sucks. (laughs) Is that part of D? Well, he did get his comeuppance. It's now just a given that every season they're going to use the fact that time, time with a lead is your main currency, right? Everyone wants that time. And if you don't even give them that, then why did they even come? They don't have any chance of -hmm. developing, of going further, of ostensibly falling in love with her if they never even get to talk to her. So it's just so easy to rile people up by taking that away from them. And now we get to the rose ceremony, and here we have our very first wrong reasons. And this is Courtney. I don't know what's going on in Katie's head right now. She still thinks there might be people here for the wrong reasons. This is a very interesting rose ceremony for the most part. And maybe not to you, but to me it is. because It was was interesting. It was interesting, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Because we all knew Carl should stay. Because he's the one that everyone hates, he should stay for as long as humanly possible Mm -hmm. until it's conspicuous that he Mm -hmm. has to be sent home. Mm -hmm. But Mike P., he says, after he hugs her and thanks her for his boutonniere, we feel as a unit, it's our job to protect your heart. And we've come together in solidarity. And we think, unfortunately, that what Carl said wasn't the truth. This is a first. You might get someone being like, can I talk to you? 
and then they'll leave the room with the lead. But to do that in front of everyone and really say we as a unit. I mean, he kind of like really put the nail in Carl's coffin. He there was no way. Did. Like what is Katie? The only way Katie would keep Carl at that point is if the producer's like, no, you have to give Carl. Well, you have to remember that from her perspective, maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he does have evidence that he's just not sharing with her. I, here's the thing. I think 80% producers were like, you should keep Carl. Maybe he is, you know, I, he might have your back, that kind of thing. 20% is she's like, hmm, okay, maybe. There's no way he's a romantic interest. But, but again, this this whole thing is based on a fallacy, which is that Carl is somehow a villain for saying the obvious. There are <laughs> obviously people there for the... Word of the day, wrong reasons. Yes. He said the obvious, what, the mistake he made was to just air that because of course there are people there yes. who shouldn't be there. Exactly. So you just nailed the, the one, the, the problem here. And it's not what he told her. It's that what he told her caused her to get upset, which has a domino effect, right. which is taking time away from everyone. People don't, don't, you can tell her whatever you want in your time, just don't affect my time. Yeah. It's like, it's like if you take someone on a date and you're having a great time and you're like on a, you know, at a carnival and you're just like, you know, <laughs> carnival. <laughs> is that a, that's a, yeah, it's the 1940s. You're on a date, you're at a carnival. And then you're like, you know, one day you're going to die. It's like, you don't need to say that. It's true, but it's not the thing to say on a nice day at the carnival. No, it ruins the moment. Yeah. And my, and maybe the rest of the day. And maybe the rest of your life. Yeah. But in this case, he really had no need to say that. Yes. And he got what he deserved. And the guys did what was expected, even though it's possible that even the guys who were most vocal about it were there for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. So funny. <laughs> Here's the thing. Carl in doing that is either just trying to stir up shit because he actually didn't have any real evidence. Right. Or he was influenced by producers, in which case he was way too naive to be in that setting. Right. Like you come on. Whenever people fall for this shit at this point, like I'm like, did you have you ever seen this show? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. He's not done your research. Anyway, what are your feelings on Mike having done this in the rose ceremony? It was the right thing to do and kind of the wrong thing to do at the same time. It was the right thing to do because Carl had no business saying that. And they're all in on this inside joke that, yes, a lot of us are here for the wrong reasons or here for gray reasons. You know, some are here for the right reasons. But, but the point is, is that we all know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Don't make a point of it to The Bachelorette. But... It was the right thing to do because otherwise, as you mentioned, he would have probably stuck around and been a pain in the ass for the next three or four episodes. At least another week. Yeah. So he did the right thing. It was it was an honorable thing to do for the group. Yeah. And for Katie. And I believe that it was mo it was like a 70-30 good right wrong. Like I think 70% he was right. He mm -hmm. did the honorable correct thing. He made the show better by getting rid of Carl. Way he better. sort of fell on his own sword, but he was taking a risk. Yes. He's going out there. Who knows? Maybe Katie would be like, who is this guy I think he is? You know, he's trying to cause more trouble. You never know. So he took a risk. It was a gamble. It was honorable. Mostly right. But underneath that, I can't help but think like, uh, they're all there for questionable reasons. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. Okay. I did really like the execution, though, and I think if anyone could have gotten away with this, it was Mike P, mm -hmm. who really does not give off wrong reasons vibes in yes. general. And then in the end, she sends Carl home. Thank God. I did not want to watch what the next episode or two were going to look like if she hadn't. And you knew that if she didn't, it was manufactured. Yeah, we all knew what episode three slash three and a half are going to look like with Carl continuing to be in the mix. Yeah. 
Instead, we get a new villain. <laughs> yeah. Entree. Yes. Okay, so going home, we have Garrett, John, Kyle, and Carl. No real surprises there. Interestingly, Carl doesn't even say goodbye to her. It's very awkward. Yeah, and it shows what a child he is because even if you're dumped in a way that you don't appreciate, just be gracious. Just be gracious. Just give her a hug and be like, I'm sorry you felt that way. Cody at least did that. Yeah. Well, he showed his true colors again. You know what it reminded me of is when a guy creepily hits on you on the street and you ignore him and then he's like, what, you think you're too good for me? Oh, like suddenly he's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He becomes a different person when you or when don't. you can't smile. Yeah. Oh. Like as if you owe him a smile, <laughs> like you're walking in the street dealing with your own problems. Don't you have even to smile get at me started. I mean, it's the worst. Oh. It's so irritating. The worst is ice cream. When I walk on the street and I have a Froyo or oh, an ice cream man. by myself, I almost always get someone commenting. It's Unbelievable. Like, oh, are you enjoying your ice cream or can I have some of that ice cream? How is that their best? <laughs> Does that ever work? Is a girl ever like, oh, yes, I am enjoying my ice cream. Would you like to have sex with me? Like, what the hell are they trying to do there? I don't know. What's the end game? I have no idea. But in this case, it reminded me of that, just how they suddenly turn into a different person when you don't reciprocate or give them the time of day. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, they're all nice and smiles until you actually don't accept their accosting remark. Yeah. In this case, Carl literally and hour to two hours before was like i have your back i'm telling you this because i'm here for you and then she sends him home trusting every other guy versus his one word and he doesn't even look her in the eye or say goodbye yeah and he has that weird like where he was kind of mulling it over like circling yeah sheepishly it's bizarre and then there's a moment where the door slams behind him and you see katie's expression like she you can see her sort of steal herself i feel like this was the moment where she realized how alone she was Mm-hmm. Like, yes, all the guys were looking out for her, but it makes you realize how this guy just an hour or two earlier was saying, I'm here for you. I'm telling you this because I care about you. And then two hours later is just like slamming the door without saying bye. You can see how being the lead on this show could give you trust issues. Absolutely. Anyway, based on how all this went down, I don't see this being the last time we see someone pulling a Mike P at a rose ceremony. Yeah, I think he set a precedent. Yeah, I There's hope. There's going to be Mike P's to come. I hope we're right about that. Yeah. Because that was, I feel like, bullet dodged. Well, it also, it, it creates a good system for preventing that kind of behavior. 100%. Yes, mm. thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Inappropriate use if you're welcome. We do have, a, should we tell people about that? I think it might be important enough to mention. We have beef with inappropriate your welcomes. Big beef. People are either going to relate to this or not. Want me to give you an example? Sure. Let, let me, let me, I'm, I'm a person at a store, like a greeter okay. at like, let's say a CVS or okay. something. And you're leaving the store. You okay. just, whatever, bought your stuff. So, so And I'm the person. Yeah. I'm the greeter. Like, have a great day. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> not inappropriate. You're welcome. No. However, a good example of a good you're welcome is I, I really need a cab. And the cab, you were, you were also trying to hail a cab. Oh, yeah. And I give you my cab. You give me the cab. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Perfect. A- appropriate. You're welcome. Yeah. Or even holding a door for someone. Yes. Like just, just stuff where you're going out of your way to actually help someone. Also, when it's a compliment. Like, you look nice today. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. 
Mm. That completely negates the compliment. Mm, yeah, no, no. No good. We'll see if you guys no agree bueno. with us. <laughs> well, we covered that. <laughs> we interrupt this episode to... This is not an ad. It's just a shout out, really. Yeah. But it's incredibly apt to put it in our Bachelor recap. Mm-hmm. It is Desiree Siegfried's book, Road to Roses. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. She came on one of our Love Fest episodes, as you guys know. She came mm-hmm. on with Chris. We had a lot of fun with them. Mm-hmm. She wrote a wonderful book. I have finished this book and enjoyed it immensely. It's great. You do talk about it. You, you, you mention it a lot. <laughs> I have been reading it every night, just a little bit at a time. And it's a fun read. I mean, if you watch Desiree's season, then there's a lot of behind the scenes juice in this. Yes. She provides her thought process. And yeah, a little insight into her relationship. It's a lovely book. I mm-hmm. highly recommend for Bachelor Nation fans. So be sure to check it out. Road to Roses by Desiree Hartstock Siegfried. Oh, I almost forgot. Desiree is giving out a free chapter. So if you would like to sample before mm. you purchase, we will put the link in the description below. <laughs> Moving on to the group date. This is with Aaron, Courtney, James, Connor B, David, Justin, Thomas, Hunter, and Brendan. And Katie takes them into a black room with a circle of chairs that looks eerily like an AA meeting. I mean, it sort of is. <laughs> it actually totally is. Yeah. I would argue this is the least date-like date to ever occur on this show. I would say this is the most unfortunate group date in the history of the franchise. Yes. I don't think ever has less fun been had on a group date. <laughs> At least with the lie detector test, which is what I thought this might end up being... There's a sort of element of, you know, hilarity to it. You've got the lights and yeah. and some of the questions are silly. This was just like sit down and you're kind of guilty unless proven innocent vibes. Mm-hmm. It was rough. Rough. It was like a like a gladiatorial environment. Yes. Like kill or be killed. So the guys go around in a circle and reveal their stories. <laughs> God, these poor guys. Oof. Rough stuff. Uh, Hunter talks about his marriage. He has two kids. He's divorced. Uh, Aaron's dad had a stroke. Just it sort of felt like this stuff could have waited for their individual one-on-one times. It felt unnecessarily exposing. Yes. One of the reasons I think they might have chosen to do something like this, obviously, beyond the obvious reasons, is because there was great success with this art date on Clacia's season. It was mm-hmm. with Tasha, And they had to make this art and explain why it was a sort of self-portrait or expressed who they were. And it was a really moving date. But at least there was the art that served right. as a vehicle for them to reveal something about themselves. And even in that case, it was just to share their story. It wasn't like, who have you led on? Who have you yeah. cheated on? It was also very broad based. It was like, tell us a crime you've committed. It could be any type of crime. Yes. It's very odd. It was very odd. I mean, Loved it was this. it was I it was emotional. Obviously, there was some serious moments there, but yeah. I just felt it was so unnecessary, you know, like heavy handed. Heavy handed. I mean, this entire show is heavy handed, but it's always fun to get your perspective on that because, yes, I lose sight sometimes of what is heavy handed and what isn't because I've seen this show so many times. Mm -hmm. And it's right. You're right. Heavy handed. Really? Is this the way that she's going to earn their trust? They can also fucking lie there. Totally lie. Yes. Say anything. Yes. 
Or because maybe you're not super comfortable talking about your issues in, in a front circle. Of 20 guys. Yeah. There's yeah. no way that all those guys are necessarily tight friends with each other. Right. Like that's the least natural setting to do that in. And it's not like Nick is everyone's friend. Like well, the they whole- may know who he is, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be like, oh, you're a therapist that I feel like I <laughs> right. can reveal He's this like to. A licensed therapist, right? <laughs> they feel comfortable around Nick. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like you. Katie is not looking for a man who's willing to talk about his feelings in front of a bunch of other guys or talk about extremely sensitive stuff. She wants to meet someone who's willing to talk about sensitive feelings with her. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. (laughs) Inappropriate. The way a guy reveals, you know, a sob story or a crime he's committed in this setting in no way reflects how honest he will be with her. Mm-hmm. It just means he's being coerced and pressured into revealing a personal story on national television mm-hmm. in an extremely uncomfortable setting. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing against Nick. We don't think this was Nick's date idea. No, but he did. He did great he as did, a host. He, 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 I thought he did very well. He he performed his role <laughs> very acceptably as date host. Yes. <laughs> so it comes around to Thomas. <laughs> Honestly, taking notes for this episode was mind numbing Mm. because Thomas, the way he speaks is just like it's a run on sentence then and it'll start out. You think it's going to start out with like going in a certain direction and then it takes a sudden turn. And then it takes another turn. He's a BS machine. He's a BS He's machine. He's a BS robot. And it's a robot that's got a short circuited, but it's like, it's like, I feel so connected with you. I uh, love to meet you. It's so happy that I came here. It's like the all catch, like just like stock inventory phrases that he keeps layering on top of one another. And sometimes they don't even make sense. They often don't make sense. Yeah. So cue his sob story slash crime reveal. Since the moment I met you, it's been a very upfront, what you see is what you get conversation. And like, I think everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. And this is one of them for me. I couldn't sit here and look you in the face and say, yeah, when I showed to this place, I was here for the right reasons because I didn't know who you were. (laughs) And worst case scenario, I'd give it a shot. And yeah, you could build a platform from it cue ominous music (laughs) and that's just the honest to god truth like my approach to this and i can sit here and tell you right now the best thing i ever did was lean into the potential of what could be here because the feelings i have for you are real and i feel that's reciprocated i mean any red flag you want to know yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you any secret i've ever had um there's people i've let on i went on a date like a week before i left because like i said i came on just not knowing (laughs) It's like a computer spitting out stuff. It's like it's like an AI machine. It's like talk like a person on The Bachelor. And that's what an AI machine would do. What's interesting about Thomas is that he's too honest about things well, he doesn't need to be honest about. Thomas, he's always bullshitting, except when he's brutally honest, when he should have been bullshitting. <laughs> that's exactly correct. He did not need to be so honest about some of this stuff. No. It's just like bullshit, 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 unbelievably inappropriate (laughs) truth. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. What? It's so true. In this case, he did not need to say I went on a a date like a week before I left. And the platform? Yes. Why do you mention that? That's everyone knows. You don't say that. You don't say the thing everyone knows. So during this, Aaron, uh, Aaron is fast going to the top of my list. I didn't like him in week one. 
And now I'm obsessed with Aaron. He's becoming a hero. Aaron is a hero and is has become my favorite person on this season. And what's more impressive about Aaron is I think he's firmly in the friend zone and still a hero. I think that's one of the reasons he can be a hero. True. So he says about Thomas, you compliment her and then you run over all the things you're supposed to talk about. <laughs> he's so astute. Yeah. Because honestly, with Thomas, it's easy to lose track. You know, what's interesting. Aaron, I feel like at 26, he really carries himself like the adult in the room. You know, he's he really very does. mature for his age. Mature I'm and so confident in who he is. He doesn't give a fuck. He just says what needs to be said. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting because he... I mean, you touched on this, but we had such a bad first impression of him because that interaction with Cody. Yes. And it turns out, we won't have to get into the details of it, that it's possible that was a very sincere and possibly appropriate interaction. To be honest, I still have mixed feelings about that just because I think it could have waited and come to the surface on its own. Sure. I don't like the starting of drama just for the sake of it, but he's very good at, in this case, at reacting. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. he feels Thomas is a bullshit robot. Yes. And <laughs> bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> Truth, no, wrong. <laughs> bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Okay, that's better. And his reactions, honestly, are, are accurate. Mm-hmm. Aaron pretty much is you in that situation. He gives everything you want. Okay, we'll move on, but obviously, we're going to circle back to Thomas. You said about Justin, by the way. Justin always looks like he's about to kill somebody. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in a way that. I, I in a not creepy way though. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm living for the Justin Aaron duo. Mm-hmm. They're the voice and faces of the people. I I agree. I I had good feelings about Justin from the outset. I believe you. you no, I dissed me. him, and you. I gotta say, you're very good at this. I you're mean, night one. That's what I do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Connor B reveals that when he was 24, maybe 25. He was in a PhD program and dropped out because he hated it. And then he started working as a musician at a piano bar and started getting into that lifestyle and drinking a lot, too much. And it all culminated one night, he said. I got really, really drunk and picked a fight with my girlfriend at the time. I ended up cheating on her and blowing up my entire life in one day. I I don't know. (laughs) Like, a lot of people have done that. Like, that's how it happens. I think what made this um, powerful was how emotional he got. I think I was more interested in sort of the drinking thing than the cheating on the girlfriend thing. I'm not belittling the cheating on the girlfriend, but I guess I was just expecting a greater crime to have been committed based on the build up to it. Yeah, I thought someone was going to get like put in the hospital. Like, I was worried about the ending of that story because the emotion he had. Either, either he's got a serious drinking problem, that that's what's bringing out the emotion. Mm-hmm. Or I thought someone, like there was going to be a real, like he was going to end up in, in a cell for a few <laughs> days at least. I really hurt somebody and I carry a lot of guilt with that, he said. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, remember this show is really, it's a realm where cheating is like, they it's like have first it, degree murder. It, I'm not even kidding. They treat it on the same level. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yes, Infidelity in the bachelor sphere, I, and honestly, I would say maybe in, in a lot of America. Yeah, but but interestingly, people are doing it all the time and lying about it. About I feel it. like in general, we need to talk more about cheating and also less about cheating. There has to be the discussion about cheating should focus more on what's bad cheating and what's cheating that can be forgiven. 
as yes. opposed to like all cheating universally, no matter what the situation is, like a death sentence. Yes. You know, in Connor B's case, to be fair, like I don't want to minimize the emotion that he was experiencing because this this woman could have been the absolute love of his life. Mm-hmm. Like he would have died for her and then she was gone because of some stupid thing he did. Yeah. So I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to to say that his tears weren't worthy. Mm-hmm. What I what I will say though, and I will reiterate, is that those situations don't always warrant a death sentence for the relationship. Not only a death sentence for the relationship, but like a criminal record for life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's no statute of limitations. It's yeah. like, oh, you cheated in 1993? Yes. yes. Like, forget it. You're dead to me. Yes. I think you really nailed it with the differentiation between cheating that is not a death sentence for the relationship or doesn't need to be or a criminal record cheat versus the kind of cheating where you have an emotional affair slash slash physical affair for like 10 years oh yeah and you maintain two lives or something well that's pure psychopathy well that's the issue though is people sort of lump them all under the same cheating umbrella when they are simply not the same totally not yes in this case connor b obviously deserves major props he was very honest and he revealed a lot to me. The biggest thing is that he developed an addiction to alcohol. It seems like for Mm -hmm. quite a while. I mean, I just love Connor B in general. He's so willing to go there always. And then we get to easily the heaviest part of this whole date, which is Katie revealing something that her own mother didn't know. And that was that when she was around 1920, she was sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. She says, I know you see me today as this sex-positive woman who's very confident. Ten years ago, it was New Year's Eve, and I had been drinking, and I was involved in a situation where there wasn't consent. She reveals she was in denial about what happened, so much so that she tried to form a relationship with the guy. It stood out to me. Yes. Courageous thing to say on national television. Yeah. At, and at or all. Or anywhere. I bet you this happens a lot more than you would think. Mm-hmm. People or women being in denial about that to the point where they're like, oh, it's because he likes me or maybe I like him and they sort of try to bend their mind and desires around justifying what happened to them. Oh yeah, that really stood out to me. That was very brave. Very, very brave, yes. She said she didn't want to believe what happened and then when that didn't work out, the relationship, for years I had a very unhealthy relationship with sex. I didn't want to have sex, which affects a relationship. I didn't like talking about sex. It's taken me a long time to get where I am now in being open and comfortable talking about it and loving myself and accepting things I can no longer control. A lot lot of really courageous statements to unpack there. One after another, Mm -hmm. acknowledging she had been in denial and then accepting what had happened. And then she goes through another journey of, of her own hangups around sex, not wanting to talk mm-hmm. about it, not wanting to have it. Mm-hmm. And then getting to a point where she recognizes that in her ITM, she says, for a long time, I felt responsible for being too drunk, too irresponsible, too stupid. But it's not my fault. Consent is important. And I did not give it that night. Oh, I mean, she is so courageous for revealing this, but I really love that final closing ITM moment mm-hmm. where, she, where she made that clear. I guarantee you there is a young woman out there who will watch that and needed to hear it. Yes. And that made up for all the overtly heavy-handed seriousness of that AA meeting. She actually gave a, <laughs> a kernel of tremendous and needed truth. Yes. She made the world a better place. Single-handedly. 
She really did. Well done, Katie. Well done. And she's also just not performative. It doesn't feel like it's planned, like she's trying to do something for her brand. It's Mm-mm. just honest life lessons learned that she's imparting. Personal life lessons. Oh, she's wonderful. In the evening, Justin is the first to get one-on-one time. In general, we were a little distracted by how much airtime Justin was getting. It's suspicious. It is suspicious. I like it. You know I like Justin. I know. And Justin, I have to admit, is growing on me because he is the face of the people. Yes. <laughs> and it really felt like there was a familiarity between him and Katie. Like, even when they were doing a selfie with a Polaroid camera, their kiss was like a photo kiss. Yeah. You know, like when we take a photo, I'm like, okay, kiss me. That's not a real kiss. We're doing a photo kiss. Of course. Here they do a photo kiss, which suggests they are at a point where they can photo kiss. Exactly. Familiarity. Familiarity. Next up, we have Connor B, where they discuss, you know, what he had revealed during the AA meeting. And I love how he says, I think you're really, really perceptive. You have this way of seeing people. And I haven't felt that seen in a really long time, maybe ever. I feel like Connor B might be an Enneagram for. I relate a lot to him and what he wants or seeks. But what really stood out to me about this conversation is Katie says, I hope I can give you confidence. I want you to see you the way I see you. This really stood out to me because... I really do think the lead is in a position where they can give someone confidence on a level that extends like far beyond their time on this show. like superpower confidence. Superpower confidence. I'm not sure I've ever really thought of the lead's role in that way before, Mm -hmm. even though I've been recapping this show for seven years. But I would say being seen as a front runner on my season gave me a confidence that I didn't have going in and I don't think I could have gotten in any other setting. And it's not necessarily about being seen as attractive to the lead or um, being getting more airtime on TV and therefore getting more followers or any of that. It's more like feeling like someone sees something in you even in the least likely situation where there's 30 of you and you're all impressive in your own right you know right in in an incredibly artificial staged environment they still can see through to what you are yes and in that sense there's real benefit to going on the show because i don't think not being a front runner should hurt your confidence because it is so manufactured and staged and all the things but it can give you some wind in your sails that you just couldn't get in any other setting Mm -hmm. And I can see Connor B leaving this entire situation, even though we have our doubts that he can win. I can see him being completely transformed in the confidence. Oh, I agree. By this experience. I totally agree. Yeah. Although he did have the confidence to dress up as a cat. That's true. So that is who knows? True. Maybe he's playing not confident. <laughs> <laughs> they kiss. Mild improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting there. Mm. It's getting there a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, Thomas has his time. And of course, he immediately starts off by being extremely effusive and whirlwinding her with compliments. Compliments that have no basis in their history or any of the things that are specific to her. Yep. I love that Katie held him to the promise of red flags. I was was hoping. I I thought I saw the moment. I was like, oh, no, is she really going to let that fly? Oh, yeah. She did not. So she says, oh, you said that you would tell me all the red flags like. I'm here for them. Like, what did you want to tell me? 
And he says, my biggest thing I wanted you to know is in getting here, I didn't ask for you. <laughs> Again, another example of Thomas being too honest in some ways and not in others. Right. That's not what he needed to reveal. No. He's saying all the truths that should not be said. <laughs> no. And everything else is BS. Yes. And he says, and everything we've gone through in our lives to get to this point, I believe when two people come together in circumstances that would never possibly be obtainable and have a connection like that, it's for a reason. And I'm going to do everything I have every single day to show you that. Bullshit. What He's, is that? That's nothing. That's nothing. What does that even... It's just words. He might have said any words he want, like 50 words. You pick them in a grab bag. It's the same meaning. It's nothing. You're right. It's funny. He doesn't need to reveal that he didn't ask for her. It's kind of a given. Honestly, when you go through the casting process, oftentimes you don't even know who the lead is. By the time I found out it was Juan Pablo, I was already cast. It was just, I had, I was still at the point where I could say yes or no. After they revealed it on national television, I got a call from a producer and they were like, so are you, are you, are you in? Oh, okay. So by that point, I had already gone to L.A. and done a, a casting weekend. You know what I mean? Already, like You don't need to reveal that you didn't necessarily want Katie to be the Bachelorette. He's, he's said three things that have any meaning and are true. One, he wants to be the Bachelor. Two, he wants to improve his platform on social media. And three, he doesn't give a shit about Katie. <laughs> At least prior. So Katie, meanwhile, holds Thomas to it. She's like, I feel like you're just not answering my question. He's like, oh, really? You think that's not answering your question? Watch this. (laughs) And here he says, I would never want a second of doubt to come into the feelings we have and the things I feel and the things that I think you feel. I'm not going to say it's a certain word, but it's developing into something. And I want you to know my intention on this is that we're leaving getting married. Ideally, where would you want to live? Because we can buy a house anywhere and we'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Lots to unpack there. So number one, total non-answer and gibberish. Gibberish. Also subtly insinuating that he has money or connection. I mean, he's a real estate Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about the red flags. I got plenty of cash, baby. We can live (laughs) anywhere you want. Drinks on the house. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a piece of work. And I still, still don't mind him. He's got something. He's good for TV. We'll, we'll talk about it at the end because, yeah. yeah, I do have thoughts on that. And my favorite thing is that Katie says to be determined and she stands. <laughs> that's not a good sign. Always very, that's an extremely romantic gesture is to say to be determined. Okay, get out. Yeah, and usually she's getting interrupted or a producer comes in and is like, okay, Katie, it's time for some ITMs or whatever. Mm. She cut this conversation short. She sees right through him. Yeah, she's like, enough of that. It's delicious, I've got to say. Yeah, it was good. He's barking up the wrong tree. I do think there probably have been bachelorettes who would be eating up what he's certainly certainly but he did his work i mean he knows the drill he's just doing it with the wrong bachelorette yes she's smarter than he is yeah and certainly more in tune with her feelings and honesty so thomas leaves us one-on-one time and is rattled he says my nerves were rattled and i let that moment get the best of me and then here he says something that to me stands out as being the a crack into the true thomas and then you see, as you see him try to cover it up, he says, how did I get fucking rattled? That never fucking happens. Right. To me, this is like he's on the verge of showing his true self. Yeah. 
And then he's like, that never happens. Like he's already just trying to patch, patch up the cracks. Everything is controlled. Everything is rehearsed. Yes. It's all BS. Yes. I don't get rattled. Yeah. Well, he's a computer. <laughs> so Aaron has his one-on-one time and you can see Thomas in the background pacing. <laughs> That's amazing awkwardness. And Andy, you wanted to bring claim to shame back into the mix. I said claim to shame on episode one and you were like, we need to keep claim to shame. Yeah. And you were upset that in episode two, we forgot. I was upset. It was a missed opportunity, but we will start now. And this is the claim to shame. Thomas interrupting Aaron's time for more time. Yes. And also mulling about to make it even more awkward for some yes. time. Yes. So that means that the few minutes that Aaron did already have right. weren't even real. It was real. basically with another guy yes. pacing in circles near him. Yes. So the time he had was was compromised and yes. then he was completely removed from his time. Yes. What's interesting here is that you can tell Thomas plans on being vulnerable. He goes into this conversation with a different tack. Yeah, he goes to the, the program vulnerable. <laughs> like, what are the words you say for this? He says, fear and love are two very similar things rooted in the same concept. Oh, now he's a philosopher. (laughs) And when I look at you and the things I feel with you, I feel both those so strongly at the same time. Mm. And I couldn't leave tonight without letting you know exactly how special I see you. So specific. So feeling that fear was again. And I haven't felt this way in as long as I can remember. I feel an energy that is such a strong pull to you. And I need you to know that. Oh, my God. It's very specific to Katie, all of these things. It's just (laughs) extremely surgical. It's so true. It's just broad strokes. Think of anything. He could be talking about a turtle, a pet turtle he just got. Yes. It's like I feel a strong in... pull to you, my yeah. pet turtle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're anything. just so cute. Just insert pet turtle into the end of his sentences. And then they make out. And Andy, during this kiss, you said, he doesn't know how not to sell. He's kissing Instagram right now. <laughs> do you yeah. remember saying yes, that? Yes, I do. <laughs> he literally was embracing a big Instagram he was embracing a blue check mark. A blue, yes. <laughs> he, was, he was stroking it. <laughs> so obviously the men confront Thomas about having done this. And I, I love that the guys are just going there. In general, I'm impressed with the majority of the men and their ability to just confront someone reasonably. Not, not like angrily. They're just like, hey, man. James says, it's kind of tough to see you getting two opportunities with her when some of us haven't had one. Mm-hmm. Fair. And Thomas says, the opportunity presented itself. <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity presented itself. And then James says, having the urge to speak with her isn't seeing a window of opportunity. It's so true. It just makes no sense. Again, he doesn't make sense. No sense. He he's just says English. whatever words come. Yes, he is speaking English, but I don't understand what he's saying. If the opportunity presented itself. Then that could apply to anything. Aaron says, I thought you had a specific purpose to talk with her a second time. And Thomas said, I did. That purpose was to tell her how I feel about her. And Aaron said, that's what I was doing. But that's what everyone's always doing. Yes. (laughs) That's not an opportunity. That's the thing you do all the time. And then Aaron said, I was trying to respect you because I thought it was something important. And then we start. This is the real moment to me. This is where you realize Thomas Beyond being a bullshit computer who's just spewing words that don't make any sense, he's a liar. He says, 
I told her that I was falling in love with her. His quickness to lie in this moment is obviously to, to take the blame off him. But it's extremely alarming. As Courtney says later in the episode, if you're willing to lie about small stuff like this, what else could you be lying about? Like, he's just in this short moment, which is, by the way, is being all captured on camera. Like, you, we can fact check this. He says he was falling in love with her just so the guys are like, they see what he had to tell Katie is something different and of a higher level. So short-sighted. Yeah. Everything about Thomas is short-sighted, honestly. He, Thomas reminds me of a, of a famous speech that um, Scarface says in the movie Scarface. Okay. Al Pacino. Yes. And, and the whole speech is great. But in the end, he says, I even tell the truth when I'm lying. Thomas literally thinks that he's telling the truth when he's lying because that's the thing that's going to get him to where he needs to be. Yes. So it's truthful for his path. Yes. And I genuinely think that he, in, a, in that, because he is so short-sighted, turns it into a truth for himself. I don't know if he sees what he's saying as lies. Yes. And that's then, what's scary. And then when he does tell the truth, it's so powerful <laughs> because it's the stupidest thing he could say. Yes. He's a man. I, I have to say, I kind of like Thomas. He's, he's, we'll, we'll get to that. I, I like to hate Thomas in a way that's almost endearing. It's a very unique like. Oh, I get I it. I can't really put my finger on it. I mean, I rate my villains all the time. My villains. I rate the show's villains all the time. I have a, like a full on hierarchy of great villains like and weak villains. Yeah. Thomas is a great villain. Chad. He's, he's on Chad level for me. He's so much better than Chad. Oh, really? Yeah. So Chad's not in your top 10 villains? I mean, no, he's not. I mean, I, he had he was great. He sort of went, he got too terrible. But for like a few episodes, he was pretty solid. Yeah, for a few episodes, he was pretty entertaining. But we'll circle back to that. I want to close with that. Yeah. Okay, so, so Katie, of course, because Thomas took two chunks of time, Katie now must return to say the night is over. Mm-hmm. Because this is, again, a formula. If someone takes more than one chunk of time, this will happen. Yes. That time will be taken from someone else, if not multiple people. That's correct. She gives Connor B the group date rose. And then Katie leaves. And then Connor B says that Thomas telling Katie that he's falling in love with her is making a mockery of the show and toying with her emotions. And suddenly Thomas changes his story. Mm. He said, I said that you can't have fear without love. Which, by the way, isn't even accurate either. That's not what he said. But suddenly he's lying again. And I really think that he thinks he's telling the truth. Yes. He just he's one of those people that just lies out of convenience. He doesn't know what lying means. That's why when he tells the truth, it's wrong. (laughs) It's true. He doesn't understand truth and like he just thinks that lying is the way you do things. And that's what I guess compulsive liars are. They're they're not like, oh, I'm going to lie now. Yeah. They're just like this is how you do things. Yeah. You you do this because well, you're if you don't me- lie, you're you're cheating yourself. Like, why tell the truth when you could lie? Yeah, and and you're accusing me of something, so I'm going to say this so that I can't be accused of that anymore. Right. It's just a defensive measure. It's a way of getting through life that some people just it becomes like a, a pathology. This is for our Temptation Island viewers. You said that Thomas reminds you of David. Oh, yeah. The thing that reminds me of David is that, like, there's nothing behind the window. 
Yes. It's just... The eyes are not windows to the soul. No. And I'm not saying he has no soul. Because I think there actually is good somewhere in Thomas. Oh, I completely agree. I think that in life, in these kind of social situations or or in situations where he's trying to find a mate, Mm -hmm. to simplify it, I think that there's nothing behind it. It's all smoke. It's there's not even a an ember. It's all smoke. Yes. He's unable to to show any humanity and that's what I saw in David. David was just like literally like where is the person here? Mm-hmm. David's worse than Thomas, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I agree. But but it's the way same way worse actually. It's way worse. David's got real problems. But yeah. but I think that I'm seeing that same vacancy mm-hmm. behind the eyes where it's like there's no one at home there when he's spewing this stuff. Yeah. There may be someone at home in other times, and there probably is. Yeah. But in this situation, no one's there. Because he has something to gain. There's an objective. There's a motive in in saying the things he's saying. He's a sloppy assassin. That's the (sighs) same kind of impression I got of David. So Michael has his one-on-one date, and this was I mean, this is this was a magical date. It was heart-wrenching, but absolutely magical. And it made me feel really bad that I kind of doubted Michael's sincerity. In the past, because mm-hmm. I actually now think he's the most sincere. Like he just skyrocketed in my books. This Who, is the, whose books did he not skyrocket in? This is the moment where Michael became the winner of the Bachelorette. Oh, really? You think he's going to win? This is the moment. So during the day, he says, "My son deserves the happiest dad." So it's more or less a pause to invest in myself. I love how he put that. And earlier in the man chat back at the house during the first group date, he says that coming on was a risk that he was pursuing to start and look at a future for myself and my son that maybe I wouldn't have done at home. I love how he sees this experience. So many people see this experience as a means to an end. And he's looking at it just as an experience, which is exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. You don't get the impression that Michael is trying to pivot his career no. or wants to be the next Bachelor. Michael is there for the right reasons. <laughs> yes. It's more or less a pause to invest in myself. That is literally what going on The Bachelor Bachelorette is. Mm-hmm. I just love that he really understands the purpose of this. It's not to get Instagram followers. Well, it's interesting you you say that because I believe that on a macro level, it's very artificial and fabricated and, and, you know, Instagram-y seeking, all that stuff. But on a microcosm, on an individual level, I think this is, it's a tremendous personal experience. Yes. And it's it's a place for you to be forced to look inward. Yes, Sometimes to a fault. Like some people leave and they're yeah, suddenly obsessed. Yeah, and they're damaged for life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's the, that's the dark side of it. it. Is but I think side. if you allow the experience to be a positive one, you can really gain a lot from it, even though you're in this ridiculous carnival of artificiality. Sometimes I wish that you were from the franchise and had gone on the show. Because I think you would have just had the time of your life and you would have been hilarious in your ITMs. And I just think you would have learned a lot about yourself. Mm. But I've won. More importantly. I mean, I'm biased. <laughs> I don't see how anyone could pick anyone above you. But. Oh, my wife. My wife, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he says to Katie, this ends in an engagement, but it really begins at an engagement. Mm. She loves this. But so That's did good. I. It's true. Good. Good stuff. Good kernel. Good kernel. So many good kernels from Michael. It's so true. People seem to think that your wedding day, it's like happily ever after. Mm-hmm. No. no. No, that's just a formality. <laughs> no, it's a nice day. It's a lovely it's a good day. day. 
It's you nowhere close to the most important day of your life. It's, it's a very big day. You'll always remember it. But really, he's right. Yes. This is the moment. What is the moment? I don't remember what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I lost you somewhere along the way. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was trying. The train was like it was just <laughs> wobbling on the rail. And then that was it. And then they make out next to the dune buggy. And I've got to say, major improvement in the kissing department. Major improvement. I actually feel bad for dissing the first uh, kiss. I now. feel bad for dissing Michael in every way that we have dissed him, which, by the way, was mild. He just needed a warm up. He needed yeah. like a practice run. Yeah. I get it. Yes. He was solid. Solid. And he got a little like like slow, gentle ass caress. Yes. Very subtle there and was, smooth. Yeah. Everything was good. Yeah. Very solid makeout. Yeah. In the evening, Michael reveals that 16 years ago, he saw his wife, Laura, on campus. And when he saw her, he said, that's it. They got married in 2012 and had their son in 2016. Seven months after James was born, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she died in January 2019. (sighs) Hmm. This was where I teared up. And he says, as anyone who's ever lost anybody knows, the following days and months to rebuild your life without that critical piece in it, it's difficult. I like the way that, and, I, and I'm, you shouldn't critique someone on how they discuss tragedy in their lives. But I think that in this case, you can. I love the way that he doesn't go overboard. He's, he's, he's like, he downplays it. He's like, it was difficult. You yeah. could have said, it's horrifying, yeah, yeah. it's tragic. It was just ripped my heart out of my guts. Yeah. You know, but he was just like, you can, it, it's so much more powerful when someone who's been through tragedy speaks of it in a way that doesn't like maximize the agony. It's funny you say that because I noticed that about you on our first real date, our brunch date, when you told me about your father, hmm. which is a very tragic story. I was moved to tears for the exact reason you're talking about. It's funny that you recognize that in someone else. Because I remember there was nothing there. You weren't playing up the tragedy of it. It was you it was the show. Don't tell. Honestly, Mm. you simply told the story and the story itself was tragic. You did not add anything to amp up its tragedy oh, wow. f- for the sake of storytelling or whatever. And of course, you're right. Like you could tell your tragic story however you please. Sure, it's your right. <laughs> yes, but I agree. Something about the way he said, trying to rebuild your life without that critical piece, something about the way he said that, his use of words is really powerful. You, you really felt that this was coming from someone who not only had been through true tragedy, mm-hmm. but had been through it yes. and had come out the other end. Yes. And can now speak of it. Yes. In an incredibly honest and personal way. And where articulate. He was there. Way. Yes. I, I, I tell you, Michael, is, Mike. I don't like Michael more because of his tragedy. Mm-hmm. I like Michael more because of the way he speaks of his tragedy and the way he handled his tragedy. Oh, man. Yeah. He's just, I, I was, I was actually, I wasn't even, that, I was not into Michael. I'll be honest. Same. As confession, I was not into Michael. I thought we, Michael was like, eh. Well, we just didn't trust him. I didn't trust him. He, he didn't like his personality to me. They didn't like stand out. Mm-hmm. But he's won me over, and I believe he's won Katie over in an almost irreversible manner. Yes. He says, in the end, what I have acknowledged is that I know what it's like to love. And the way I look at it is, what a gift to be able to fall in love twice. Hmm. Michael. 
catapulted to the top of our lists. Mm-hmm. And I here we get a flashpoint. The flashpoint, I would argue. Yes. Of the episode. Katie says, I think some people may be intimidated by this forever love that you will always have for Laura. And that is something I know and respect and would never feel insecure by. I think what you had is beautiful. And Michael said, it's also my job to make sure you feel that the relationship we create is unique and our own. And I have no doubt we could do that. I love not only that she mentioned that, that the possibility for feeling jealous and insecure about it. And then I just love how he handled it. Yeah. It's my job to make sure it's unique and our own. Perfect. Perfect. Good team. (laughs) A winning team. A winning team. Shandy Flashpoint, for sure. 100%. Then they go out on the roof and Katie says something that we both definitely agree with, which is we're so busy working and looking down at our phones, you forget the beauty of all of this. Oh, man. We talk about this all the time. She is going right to my heart. Yes. And you know how much I like to look at the stars. You love to look at the stars in bed. We have a skylight over our bed. It's one of the reasons why I chose this apartment. To look at the stars in bed. It's a luxury. There's nothing that makes you feel smaller and bigger than looking at the stars. We loved this date. I'm, I've already picked Michael. I'm, I'm like, I'm like uh, Claire in her season where she's like, I'm just picking this. I'm done. Like, I know who I want. Michael is your Dale. Michael is my Dale. Okay, so we don't actually get the second group date, but we get leading into the second group day, mm-hmm. which is, of course, all about Thomas. Uh, let me tell you, Thomas is a fucking good-looking dude. <laughs> he's tall. He's handsome. He can carry himself well. Mm-hmm. All he had to do was be real with her. I don't know what... And he, with the guys. And with the guys. More importantly, with the guys, actually. If he doesn't like Katie, that's a problem. But I think he probably likes Katie. So just be real. Why is he doing this? He's hurting himself by not being what he actually is. He's a tall, good-looking, well-handling-himself kind of guy. But it's like you said, there's no one There's no one there. There's no one at home. Yeah. He's completely a computer program. He can't get out of that zone. Yeah. It's a shame. Hunter confronts Thomas in this setting, which is interesting. Yep. He says, there's constant smiles and it feels fraudulent. It feels like a campaign. He accuses him of gunning for Bachelor, to which Thomas responds that he would never do anything to hurt Hunter. Now, I thought this this could have been edited a little off. Like, it's possible Thomas's response was not a direct reply to what Hunter right. accused him there of. There was some editing here, I think. But nonetheless, I do think that's more or less Thomas's way. So I would believe that that was his response, which is saying a lot. It also says something that I don't have a lot of editing spots in this episode as a whole usually i have all these like frankenbites and things with it's different with carl with carl i had all these things but with thomas you see enough of this coming out of his mouth and we've been feeling like this since night one honestly yeah there's just this is kind of what he's showing us it might be a little edited to abbreviate there's things. nothing else there this is it hunter says so yes you were thinking about being the next bachelor is that what you're saying thomas says before coming here, I didn't know what to expect. Again, totally a non-answer. Connor B. says that's a non-answer. Right. I love Connor B. Yeah, he's good. Hunter says, I'm, I'm not asking what you expected. Was being the bachelor, was that a prerogative for you? And Thomas says, yes, coming into this, one of the thoughts on my mind was becoming the next bachelor. And we mm. see this coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I wanted this to be frank and bitten. I wanted to give him the benefit no, of the doubt. No, he said it. 
And then he denies that it's still on his mind because now he just loves Katie. Oh, right. No, he's completely, that's out of the question. With having 15 minutes with her here and there, he's suddenly over the moon for Katie and the thought of Bachelor, just forget about it. Okay, so now we can talk about Thomas. Now we're going to talk about Thomas. Mm. He is my favorite kind of villain. I freaking love Thomas. (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) say. I I, I, I like him too. Yes, I love the kind of villain that thinks he or she is fooling everyone else. Right. That's my favorite kind of villain. Yeah. I don't yeah. want a villain who is being villainous for the purposes of getting ahead or getting airtime or getting Instagram followers, mm. nor do I like the type of villain who gets fucked by production, like Olivia Caridi, of course, because yeah. they're just not reading social situations correctly. Right, right. And then their, li- their life is ruined for a year. I don't like that kind of villain either. You know, it's funny when he said, yes, he kind of admitted, yes, I thought of being the bachelor yeah i think he was saying that like like i felt like he thought he was saying that in confidence like that wasn't <laughs> going to be aired somehow like he was just saying like yeah yeah, guys i was i was thinking about i think that. he was saying it qualified by but now i don't feel that way the problem is no one buys it right right he said he was like making he was trying to make himself look better but he's like yeah i wanted to be the bachelor but now i don't <laughs> which makes me better than all of you guys who just still want to be the bachelor it's exactly what you said earlier he is too honest about the things that you don't need to be honest about. The computer, no, it's a glitch. It's a glitch in the matrix. His, his, he's got a chip that's off. There's no way it has not crossed the minds of every guy there becoming The Bachelor. It's every a given. Every single guy, except maybe Michael. <laughs> or he's just fooled us all. Thomas gives me Crystal Nielsen vibes. I love Crystal, by the way. Mm-hmm. And she was great on Paradise. And she was great on Ari's season two. But in my recaps... There's well-documented love for Crystal because she was a delicious villain, Hmm. a villain that you could just sink your teeth into, someone who was both aware of what she was doing but also seemed to think that she was fooling everyone. It's just, it's wonderful to watch someone like that. It's Mm -hmm. true reality TV to watch someone like that. Yes, yes. She's giving us the red meat that we want. Yes, and Thomas is doing that too. I think Thomas is a sophisticated villain. He may not be a sophisticated person, but he's a sophisticated villain. Yeah. So even though Thomas is on the shit list... We have no interest in seeing Thomas go anytime no, soon. I like Thomas. I actually almost like Thomas as a person. <laughs> so the dark side of, of Thomas, obviously, beyond being a villain that we love to hate, is the fact that there are men like this in real life, and I think he might be kind of like this in sure. real life, who whirlwind women and come at them with all the compliments. And and, and they're super handsome and tall yeah. and presentable, and it just works. No, they're doing exactly what he's doing, and then they pull the rug out from under them, or they're liars, or just right. deceptive. But the initial attempt works. Of course it works. Yeah. And I bet you he has done this in relationships, and it has worked for him before. Every time. But that's what's alarming is that he probably does employ this behavior in real life, and I don't think that makes him a good partner. <laughs> oh, no, he's not a good partner. No. But I would have a couple beers with Thomas. I, I would be into that. <laughs> Pick his brain. I love how into Thomas you are. <laughs> I'm not super... Don't, don't, let's not get carried away. I'm not super into Thomas, but I'm not not into Thomas. I mean, I get it. He's just great to watch. And by the way, never raises his voice, never gets angry. Interesting trait. Yes. Which reminds me also of Dave from... from uh, David. David. 
from Temptation I, Island. I'm on personal basis with <laughs> David, so I call him Dave. But yeah, from Temptation Island. The one hesitancy I have to really sh- lay it on thick with Thomas is just that I think he's probably kind of dangerous for dating in real life. And I, oh yeah, I wouldn't want to date Thomas. Yeah, no. <laughs> but again. Couple beers, yes. Dating Thomas, absolutely not. Yeah. Anyone I know or, or care about dating Thomas, absolutely not. Yeah. You know what's funny is for episodes one and two, when he was still good, yeah. we did not like Thomas at yeah, all. Until- we're like, oh, we're not buying what he's selling. And now that he's totally unraveling and all the worst parts are coming out, we're like, he's great. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's real. He became like a, a, a much fuller version of what he was. It's also validating for us because we totally saw this coming. We saw it coming. Yeah. A mile away. Yeah. So the Shanty word count. Mm-hmm. It was only one. There was only one wrong reason. And a thousand right reasons. A thousand right reasons. A lot of you guessed for right reasons, but we did say wrong Well, reason. we picked wrong reasons for the right reasons, which was because we knew there would be a million right reasons. Yes. And there were. And there were. There was only one wrong reason and no one guessed one. So no one wins the the word count game for which there is no prize. Yet, there will be prizes. (laughs) The loser today gets the same prize as the winner last episode. (laughs) For now. For now. Down the road. There's going to be prizes. Mm -hmm. I I am plotting that. Like, and good ones. Not not some ridiculous, like a $20 Whole Foods gift certificate. Whole Foods is good. I thought you were going to say Applebee's. Well, twenty dollars is twenty dollars. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying the value is going to be more. I was going to say more than I twenty dollars. I would be into winning a twenty dollars Whole Foods gift certificate. Yeah, you're going to use it. Yeah, I mean it's going to be used and used well. But yes. I'm just saying that the value will be more than twenty dollars, whether it be at Applebee's or Whole Foods. Yes, we're promising things that we don't know about yet, but one day. One day. All right, Andy. Do you feel ready to get to our predictions? Oh, I do. Who do you have in the first spot? No question, Michael. You changed it. What do you mean I changed it? <laughs> last From when? Ni- last night you said Greg. That's okay. I, I, I forget about what I said last night. I've slept on it. Uh-huh. Michael is winning The Bachelorette. There's no question. <laughs> really? No question. You think for sure 100%? I don't care. They could do some turn where there's drama and he almost leaves and like his ex-girlfriend comes on and says we've been dating for the last year. Nothing is going to stop Michael. He's winning the show. Wow. Strong take. Mm-hmm. I'm a little annoyed you changed it because I had Michael in my top spot and I was excited we had this one difference. Their makeouts have gone through the roof. Playfulness. Playfulness. Passion and playfulness. You cannot beat that. No one can beat passion and playfulness. He's winning. It's, it's the over. best combo. Can't beat it. Katie cried in her ITMs talking about that date. Dave, everything. What else is the man supposed to do? <laughs> He won. It's over. Okay, so we both have Michael in our top spot. Who do you have in position number two? Greg. Yeah, same. We both have Greg in our second spots. I still put a lot of stock in the fact that Katie took Greg on the date that reminded her of her father. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he got the first impression, Rose. There's a ton there with Greg. It's just Michael has just really pulled ahead just based on this one week. But when I think about it, I do wonder if Katie might be slightly more into Greg than he is into her. Oh. I could be way off about that. You might be right. I don't know. I think Greg is kind of phoning it in a little bit. 
I mean, now we, that also, I think about it. we also didn't see any of Greg this week, so it's true. It's easy to just forget. Just making that shit up. Pure he's romantic. in like a slightly romantic friend zone, is where Greg is, and he's and 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 a, a romantic friend zone. If you don't quickly up the romance heavy, is going to go full friend zone. I mean, I still think Greg is a major front runner. I just Michael just pulled ahead a ton. Michael's winning the Bachelorette. <laughs> They're all just fighting for second place now, in my mind. Who do you have in your third spot? Andrew asks, the most certain I've ever been of a third spot in my life. So you think he's getting third place? Oh, I think he's getting exactly third place. And I know it. (laughs) I've never felt more confident. I feel more confident about about Andrew being eliminated third than I do about Michael winning. And I feel (laughs) extremely confident about Michael winning. Your confidence shows that you maybe haven't seen this show that much. I've seen bits. I've seen bits here and there. Okay. I just know that things will happen. There will be a dark horse coming in from behind that you do not see coming. There could be a whole stampede of dark horses. Nothing stopping Michael and nothing stopping Andrew S. from being exactly third. Okay. Well, I have to admit, I also have Andrew S. in my third spot. Hmm. We didn't see coincidence. We also didn't see any of him this week, but it doesn't matter. We know Andrew S is at the forefront and mm-hmm. he has a one-on-one date coming. And who do you have in your fourth spot? Connor B. Connor B. He crawled. He he clawed <laughs> his way back into the back top into four. your top four. Yeah. Um, the kiss wasn't great still, still not a great kiss, but better. It was an improvement. It was better. It was an improvement. But there was so much, there were so much good things from Connor. And, you know, he's just continues to show that he's like a really real person. He's in touch with his emotions. He's vulnerable. He's doing all the right things. My one issue with Connor B is that I still get friend zone vibes from this. Yeah. But for me... I, I don't buy that the final four are going to be those four because it's too obvious. Well, I mean, then we'd be Nostradamus, but but we're giving no, it our it's best not, shot. No, that's what I'm saying. We wouldn't be Nostradamus. It would be too obvious because anyone would guess those final four. I know. <laughs> I know, but I feel so strongly. You're buying so what you're strongly. being sold right now. Here's the thing. I do think Connor B is obviously... I'm not being sold Andrew S. Andrew S, I think, is a, is a creative choice. Is he? No, here's the thing. It's the same. They're the same as mine. But just for fun. Yeah, you're right. My top four is so basic. (laughs) Here's the thing. Just for fun, I'm going to not put Connor B in my top four because I want my list to be at least slightly different from yours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I also have my eye on this other person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of the airtime we were shown this week. It's Christian. (laughs) Is it Christian? It's not Christian. Can I just say that for all you 80s movies fans... Christian is the spitting image of Judge Reinhold from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, you did point that and out. And the picture of Judge Reinhold from Fast Times at Ridgemont High should be there now. I think there should be a picture up here somewhere. <laughs> that I will insert. And point proven. Yes, they do look very similar. It's unfortunately not Christian. Oh. I am going to take a flyer on my fourth place, a term mm. I learned from watching Shark Tank. Oh, yeah, yeah. I ask you, would you rather I give my safe fourth choice or my taking a flyer on someone fourth choice? I would rather get you give the fourth choice you would give if I had a gun pointed at your head. <laughs> so extreme. Can you imagine the situation where someone would have a gun pointed at your head demanding you For this pick reason. a fourth choice bachelorette contestant? 
because I think it's boring for us to just have the same four, same order. All I'm right. going to give my flyer choice. Is Your flyer. My flyer mm-hmm. is Justin. Uh, my original Dark Horse. Yeah, Justin was in your original top four. Justin had a lot of airtime. He got his one-on-one time shown along with Thomas and Connor B yeah. on that group date. And their Polaroid camera selfie, the... Very familiar. The familiar photo kiss. Yeah, they were very familiarized with each other. There, so, there, there, was a, there, was a, there was a comfort level there with that selfie. I don't know if I have all the confidence in the world in that guess, but just to keep things interesting, I'm throwing Justin I, in as my fourth I spot. Love, I love it. And you know I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart yes, for Justin. the painter. I, w- I, not to, you know, steal your thunder, but Justin is my perennial fifth choice. He's <laughs> in my fifth, fifth wheel. Perennial. Fifth. He's fifth, always. All right. I think that's it for episode three. Mm, I think we can call it. An episode with a lot of heart. A very serious a episode serious, of The Bachelorette. Yeah. During which you did not fall asleep once. I didn't even come close. And I do expect that episode number four will be much, much lighter to contrast with episode number three. I told you that last night. <laughs> it's possible you told me that. <laughs> Taking what I'm saying and spewing it as your own. <laughs> it's my goal <laughs> to take over Charlene Joint. My recapping empire. <laughs> yes. If you guys enjoyed what you heard today, you can keep Dear Shandy in business by liking, subscribing, hitting the notification bell, following us on Instagram, telling your friends, leaving us iTunes reviews and mm-hmm. ratings, mm-hmm. and generally doing all the things you would do to support a little podcast that is recorded in a living room on the Upper West Side in Manhattan. <laughs> and on that note, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this recap episode of Dear Shandy, and we will see you next time. Bye. Dear Shandy.